Uh, what were some of the f- favorite stories that you guys had when you were a kid? Like, what were some of the favorite stories that you had kind of listening to as a kid? Any, any favorites out there? Thomas the Tank? Nice. So you had like the chronicles of Thomas the Tank. Yeah, yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. Some family stories. Other stories that remember as kids. Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Yeah. And what? He ate a lot of pancakes. He ate a lot of pancakes. <laughs> that's what you aspired in that story, was to eat a lot of pancakes. <laughs> yep, Clifford the Big Red Dog. There are incredible stories. When I was growing up, the stories that I loved to hear the most were not stories from books, but stories from my dad. My dad would tell some of the most amazing stories um, from when he was a kid, um, just because he was kind of rebellious, and he lived in like this different time period. Like He lived in the 60s as a, as a kid, and he's like, we could just ride our bikes around town, and you know, I watched the Sandlot, and I imagine that maybe it was a little bit like that, you know? but he would talk about like sneaking out late at night and jumping in neighbors' pools, and then they would get you know, the, woken up, and then they would jump over the fence and go to another neighbor's pool and swim until they got caught. And he's just like, yeah. He's like, there's some crazy stories of like hiding from police behind bushes and stuff like this. Like, stuff that like, I never would have imagined and couldn't imagine that my dad was doing. But he's like, yeah, that's, that's the life I lived. And he's like, and don't you do that. <laughs> he's like, but the cool thing about stories is that they transport you to a different time period, to a different place. And like, we see this all the time in movies, right? You go and you watch a movie. And if you think about your favorite movie and you ask somebody what their favorite movie is, you can't help but like explain this kind of like feeling that you got from the movie or the way that the movie made you think or the way the movie changed the way that you perceived life. Stories have this ability to kind of take us into a teaching and experience it. It's one thing to kind of have head knowledge of a thing. It's a completely another thing to experience a thing, and stories do that. And storytelling is such an important job, and it's such an incredible way that we get to learn and experience the truth about life together that it's kind of no surprise that when we look at the life of Jesus, that Jesus teaches his disciples through stories. And the way that Jesus teaches his disciples through stories is through parables, through these things called parables, which are these incredibly short stories in the Bible. And these incredibly short stories in the Bible called parables, they're, they're generally fictitious, but they transport you into this place. It's a place where you can begin to imagine what it was like to be there, to be present in his story. And then normally there's this like one line of truth in the whole story where it all kind of like comes together and we find ourselves in the middle of that story. And in, in some ways, it's just way more powerful that we hear a story and experience the story than it is if Jesus were to just like come right out and tell us. And so as we come off of this series, that is our vision that we want to be a church that empowers people to be disciples of Jesus, to be able to go and be equipped to make more disciples of Jesus. What we're doing is we're going into this place for the rest of the summer, for the next kind of 11 weeks of studying the parables of Jesus and seeing how Jesus taught his disciples. How did Jesus continue in this disciple-making process? How did he teach his disciples? How did he teach the people that he was around? And so we did this kind of two years ago. We had a parable series two years ago. And uh, what we did is we like listed out all the parables. We prayed over them. We, we picked some and then some didn't get picked. And so what we're doing 
this <laughs> series is that we're going to revisit some of the old ones, some of the ones that are just classic that are worth revisiting, but then we're also going to be throwing in all the ones that got missed last time. And so what's cool is that the ones that got missed last time, they were kind of obscure and they're kind of tricky. And so we're kind of excited to see how God is going to show himself up in these kind of more obscure stories and what he has for us and how God's sovereignty is going to reign in like the parables that we listened to and dug into two summers ago and the parables that he has for us this summer and just see how God reveals himself to us in that way. And so this morning we're going to begin with a familiar parable. We're going to begin with a parable that we're going to, that has been repeated, but it's kind of the parable of all parables. And it's this parable that has invitation and challenge built into it, to kind of use some language from the last series. It has also relationships of up, of like our relationship with God. We'll see that Jesus has relationships out with other people, the crowds that are around him. And we also see Jesus having relationships in with his disciples. And what we ultimately see is Jesus inviting us here to, to listen to him, to hear and respond and to act and to allow him to break through into our lives. And so the parable that we're looking at this morning is the parable of the sower. Incredibly, incredibly familiar. And this, this parable, this sermon, is not the same sermon that I gave two years ago. So, I mean, I probably could give it, and you probably wouldn't know, right? I mean, maybe you would. Maybe there'd be somewhere out there. I thought about it for a moment, but I was like, no, that's not where we're at. So, but there's probably a really good chance that you're not going to hear anything new this morning. It's probably not. It's a very familiar story. But I do believe that when we encounter stories, it hits us in different ways in different times. I don't know if you've ever read a book twice in different seasons of your life and got something different from it. And I believe that the Word of God is like that. I believe that the parables of Jesus are like that. And so even though this is a different sermon at a different time, then of course it's going to be different because that's how stories work. Stories hit us different at different places and show us new things, even though it's this really familiar old thing. And so that's what I hope for us this morning, is that we would be able to be open to God, that we'd hear his spirit, and that we'd hear him speak to us, and that we would know how to respond as we go out this morning with new life, with new encouragement, with new energy. All right, so let's open up to the word. Kids, if you guys are following along that sheet, the question on one of your sheets is, what passage are we reading from this morning? And we're reading from the book of Mark, and we're going to be in chapter 4, verses 2 through 20, all right? So, and if you want to open your Bibles there, we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 4, 2 through 20. Here's the parable of the sower. And so he was teaching them, many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell around rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, but since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell in good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And what we see here in this first part of the parable is that Jesus is talking to the crowds. 
He gives this parable. He gives the story. This is the parable that the crowds receive. So Jesus is working in this kind of out relationship. He's talking to the masses. And he's just telling them the story. And he ends the story with, he who has an ear, let him hear. He ends with this invitation, this invitation to hear from God. And this invitation also has a little bit of a challenge. And that's to respond. It's like, he who has an ear, let him hear. He who hears, you should go and do something about it. And what you hear from the word of God, what you hear from Jesus, what you hear from the Spirit speaking to you, go and do that thing. And then we see Jesus kind of transition relationships. He, he moves in towards the disciples. In verse 10, it says this, When he was alone with those around him in the twelve, they asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, that may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now that seems really harsh, right? Like that little passage of scripture, like what is Jesus doing? Why is Jesus speaking in parables because he's trying to, to be puzzling or troubling? No, he's not, he's not doing that at all. He quotes this passage from Isaiah. And this passage from Isaiah is given to the people of Israel almost in like sarcasm. In this way of that the people of Israel have rebelled against God. They've shut their ears against him. They've decided that they're going to go their own way and do their own things. And Isaiah comes to the people and he's like, look, how long will you continue to go seeing but not seeing, hearing but not hearing? Lest, if you could, if you would see, if you would hear, then you could repent and forgive. There's kind of this kind of sarcastic hook to this. And the desire is that they would, that they would see, that they would hear, that they would repent, and that they would turn towards God. But Jesus knows, Jesus knows his audience with the crowds that they are going to have a very difficult time hearing him. They know that he's going to have a very difficult time receiving him. And he ultimately knows that it's those that are in the crowds. And even somebody in his own fellowship, in his own discipleship, like one of the 12 that's going to reject him and ultimately crucify him. And so he says, this is just kind of the reality of, of where people are at. And this is kind of what we see with the parable of the sowers, is that he's describing the nature of the world that's around them. So Jesus continues. He says this, and he said to them, you do, not, did, do you not understand this parable? How then do you understand all the parables? Then he explains it. He says, the sower sows the word. And these, along the, <laughs> these are the ones along the path. And where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And then there are the ones on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no roots in themselves, but in, <coughs> they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are ones sown with thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. What we find here, and, you're, and the kids, you're, the question is, is like, what, is, what, do we, what do we want to know about God? What is God doing here? God is inviting us in to listen. It's amazing that as the seed goes out, there's kind of four different hearers. It's kind of the parable of the four soils, but every soil is hearing and it's a question of how do they receive what's being heard. 
In many ways, it describes just the reality of life. God is going out and he's sowing all the seed. The seed is being spread out. And there are just different ways that that seed is being received. And if you're a disciple, and if you're a disciple that's going forth and you're throwing seed, this parable is really helpful for you to go and have grace with different types of people. Because you're like, I'm giving you the truth. I'm giving you the gospel. And you see people like shoot up, and then you see them wither away. And then you see people that just straight up reject it. And you see people that get... (laughs) crowded out by worries and fears and anxiety. And the thing is that what we need as people that are throwing seed is an incredible amount of grace for all of those people. What we also see is an invitation to understand what type of soil are we living in? What type of soil do we hear from God and respond in? How is the kingdom of God calling out to us? And how is it producing fruit in us? It's an incredibly natural thing for a bunch of seed to go forth into the world and for very little to be reproduced. It's amazing. I've been reading this book, and it's about trees, and it's about the life of trees. And, like, trees will produce hundreds and thousands of seed in their lifetime. Trees last hundreds of years. And of those thousands of seeds that they produce in those hundreds of years, guess how many trees trees reproduce to the point to where they will produce, where that tree will produce one, one more? It, the answer is one. Like, the average is one. Have you heard five sometime? Okay, gotcha. I just saw five, so I was like, oh, maybe it's five. Okay, it was a guess. That's a good guess. Yeah, the answer is one. The answer is one. Of all the forest trees, when in, the, in good health, when in good soil, it will produce one tree that is able to produce fruit again. And that's, that's astounding. That's astounding. And that's obviously not what's happening in this parable. But... Guess what happens to all those seeds? Like, they get eaten as soon as they hit the ground. They get carried away like the birds. Like, they fall into hard soil. They fall into rocky places. They die before they're even able to sprout. I mean, all of the seed, it's all good seed when it comes from the tree. But eventually, some sprout, and then they get choked out and wither away. It's amazing what Jesus is describing, how it actually, like, literally happens within the world, and how it also happens within our own hearts. But I believe that the thing that God wants us to receive in this parable is that not only for the desire for the kingdom of God to grow in us, because that's what he's sowing. He's sowing the kingdom of God. He, and, in, and a lot of times, the, the way that these parable sow, <laughs> sermons, especially with the sower, the way that it goes, is like, you just need to desire the kingdom more. You just need to desire it more. If you just desired it more, then you'd be better. If you just tried harder, if you just pulled up your spiritual bootstraps and transplanted your soil, like, then you'd be good. But I think the thing that God wants is so much bigger. He doesn't want us to just only desire the kingdom of God. He wants us to experience it. He wants to reign inside our hearts. He wants us to give up whatever it is that's happening in our heart that's rejecting him, whatever it is that we feel like that we have to protect ourselves against him. Because receiving Jesus and receiving the kingdom of God can be fearful. It can be kind of scary at times because it means that we got to let go of control. It means we've got to let go of outcomes. It means that we got to let somebody else make the decisions for us in our own lives. And I don't know about you, but I like building my own kingdom. I like making my own decisions. I like controlling my own outcomes. I don't know as if I always want to let Jesus and the kingdom of God do that, but I believe that God wants to reign through our existence, that he wants to come in and he wants to set us free from bondage, that he wants to set us 
into a place where we can experience love and peace and joy in the everyday of life. I believe that he wants us to go out into this world and act justly and fight oppression. And all we got to do is like look around and just see how the oppression is fierce and how the lack and care of justice just isn't present. And so what would happen if we, his body, were to walk out and live that justice and that peace and that love in ways that bring life instead of more conflict and more death and more frustration? What if we were to be able to be kind of the the antibiotic salve that this world needs when the kingdom of God comes through? Jesus wants to come in and make us whole, and he wants us to be open to hearing from him. I believe that Jesus wants to speak to us. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us in our everyday lives and set us free and change the way that we live our everyday lives. And I've been, I've been experiencing that, and that's what kind of the last sermon series was about, was just how the Holy Spirit, I believe, is moving within this church, moving within individuals so that we could go and change this world, so that families can be transformed, so that neighborhoods can be transformed, so that Madison can be transformed, that Verona can be transformed, so that our workplaces can be transformed. This is what the parable of the sower is about, and it's preparing us to go out and to share the seed and to understand that the reactions are going to be different, and that's okay. But to still go and share that seed faithfully with others. It's also a place where we get to self-examine and ask, what is going on inside our own soul? What is Jesus trying to address and fix within us this morning. And so to do that, let's look kind of at these four different soils. Let's look at the four different ways that we can hear. And so the first way is this path, right? The seed gets thrown on the path. The path is trampled. The seed doesn't even have a chance to penetrate the path because the path is so hard. I just did some hiking in Sedona, Arizona, and like those paths in the desert, I mean, it's just amazing that there's anything living at all. But like, especially in those paths, it doesn't matter how much seed you throw down, nothing's ever going to live there. It's just because it's so hard, it's so dry, there's just not a place for life to come in. And there's, there's a place in, in people, in us, where we are so hard that like we just we can't receive anything. To be able to receive something, we need a lot of water, we need a lot of care, we need a lot of things to happen before we can begin to receive what Jesus has for us. And so there's definitely this clear understanding that the path are just those people who just can't receive the kingdom of God. It just, it seems like foolishness to them. We read this morning that like the cross is foolishness to the world and to those who think that they are strong and wise. That's the path. But the path also, I think, represents some of us who are believers, who maybe it's penetrated a little bit, but we kind of come to the Bible and we say, there's nothing new here. I've read the Bible cover to cover, and I think I've got a pretty good grip on who God is, and I've got God in my own box, and, and that's that. And I don't, I don't really believe that God is moving. I don't really believe that God is doing anything new. I don't believe that God is really speaking to me. I just believe God came and did, and I accept that he saved me, and, and that's, that's kind of that. Like, that's the thing that I need to do, right? And I think that if we're there, and if that's kind of all the depth of our faith is, like we in some ways are on this path. We are described as a path because we're not able to truly hear and receive what I believe God has for us because it's so much more than just Jesus died, rose again, forgave us our sins. Like that's the, that's the entry point. 
But the thing that Jesus really wants us to live is this place of fullness, this place of life, this place of joy, this place of relationship and intimacy with him. And that can't just be known intellectually. That has to be something that's experienced. That's something that we have to allow God to penetrate us and to be able to begin to experience with him. And so that's the path. The second one is the rocky soil. And the rocky soil is impressive because the seed lands and the seed like takes root really quickly and it just shoots up. And you're like, oh, this is fantastic. I mean, if you throw some seed on this rocky soil and you get some instant success, you're like, man, that's fantastic. I remember when I (laughs) planted my garden, the garden just moved so slowly, right? But I planted some spring greens. And you know what's beautiful about spring greens is that you plant them really shallow and they like shoot up in 14 days. I read on the packet, I was like, 14 days. I'm like, 14 days I'm going to have plants. And then like three days they were coming out of the ground. I was like, this is awesome. But those spring greens, they have no depth. They have no depth in the soil. That's how they're able to shoot out. And sure, they taste great. We waited 14 days. We just had a meal with friends and it fed four people and it produced one meal. That's all it produced. I got to wait now for them to like recover and regrow. And maybe we'll get another meal in 21 days. I don't know. We'll see. But the fruit that it produced and the energy it produced was, was kind of weak. It was exciting to see come through, but it was kind of weak. And so what we find in <laughs> this shallow, rocky soil is almost this pride and this idea that, like, I'm going to receive from the kingdom of God, and before I really get my roots in, and I really settle in, I really begin to understand and, and foster this deep relationship with God, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go do, and I'm going to go and be amazing, and I'm going to go create, and I'm going to go strive, and I'm going to go be something awesome, and I'm going to go and try and produce all this fruit, while at the same time, our roots just don't go that deep. Again, another picture they have is like, while I was hiking in Sedona, we got into some mountainous regions. I don't know if anyone's hiked in the mountains, but there's some pretty amazing trees that grow in the mountains. Like, they just like grow straight out of rocks, and they kind of go like this. You know what I'm talking about? And like, it's amazing. And those trees are kind of prideful. Like, we look at them like, whoa, that tree is amazing. Like, how does it, how is it in that rock? And how is it growing up? And I think that when we find ourselves in shallow soil, like that's what we're doing. We're just like, we just want somebody to come along and be like, how are they doing that? That is amazing that they are like standing so tall and so straight and that they defied the odds to be able to grow in that rocky soil. But the odds of trees reproducing in the mountains, in the rocky soil, are less than one. The fruit that the trees provide (laughs) in the rocky mountainous soil is, is not very good. You could say that it doesn't even produce much fruit. They just look cool. They're not very strong. Any type of wind or rain, I mean, the higher you go up in the mountains, the more you just see down trees and down trees and down trees. There are a lot of places where we saw, oh, that's where one of those trees was because you saw it just laying over and the roots weren't very deep. And so (laughs) James kind of describes these people well. In the book of James, in the second chapter, he says, these people are tossed about like waves. And in Ephesians, Paul says that they're kind of like infants who are tossed about with kind of whatever the next exciting teaching is. And you kind of, maybe you've met these people, you're like, they're like, oh, that sounds really good. Oh, that sounds really good. And then you talk to them, they're like, have you you heard this teaching? Have you heard this teaching? Have you heard this take? Have you heard this? And and you're like, "What, what do you stand on? What do you represent? They're like, I don't know. Let me just tell you about the next thing. 
that's kind of the rocky soil, all right? Does that, does that kind of make sense? Does that resonate with anyone? All right. That's the rocky soil that Jesus is talking about. The next soil that we come in contact with um, is the thorny soil. It's the thorny soil. And so the thorny soil, it says that it's concerned about the things of this world and it's deceived by riches. And I think what happens in the thorny soil is that the, the, the seed is sown and it takes root and it begins to grow, but it begins to look around at the world and it begins to fear. And it begins to wonder, do I have enough? Do I have enough provision? Am I important enough? Am I significant enough? Can I meet the expectations of the people around me? Can I be a good mom? Can I be a good dad? Am I a good coworker? Am I a good friend? Am I, am I, am I enough? And what the, the person sown in kind of this thorny place as they begin to look for riches or different things to begin to protect them is that they kind of unknowingly begin to seed more thorns around them to say, I'm going to protect myself with, <laughs> against these other things, these things that I think that might take away my life with these other things like riches, like fame, like all of these kind of really shallow things like being able to be liked, um, being able to be perceived as likable, being perceived as successful. And so what they do is they just kind of create this barrier of protection of thistles around them. And what they don't realize is that those thistles prevent sunlight, nutrients to reach the plant. And what they also prevent is that they don't realize that these other things are also taking nutrients from the soil as well. These other weeds that are on them, they're sucking the very nutrients out of the soil that they need to survive. And so you can have a pretty good-looking plant that's kind of surrounded by thistles, but it won't fruit. And it won't fruit because it doesn't have enough energy. It just doesn't have enough energy in the soil to be able to produce the fruit required to be able to survive. And so it survives as a plant. And it survives protected. But that's about all you get with the person who's in the soil with the thorns. And then the final soil. The final soil that Jesus talks about is the good soil. And I believe that this is where we're able to hear from God and respond. We're able to hear that God loves us and respond to that love. We're able to hear from God to repent, to be able to face into the really hard things, the really nitty-gritty things of our lives, and be able to confess those things and have our mind changed about those things. That was what repentance means, is to be able to look at it and to have our mind changed and begin walking out in new life. It's in the good soil where we find presence and relationship with God. It's in good soil where we find ourselves abiding. In John chapter 15, let me get there really quick. There's this beautiful passage that I believe that the good soil just kind of represents. He says this, he says, I am the vine dresser and my father is the vine. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And this is verse 4. He says, Abide in me, as I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the place where we humble ourselves 
And we lean into that weakness that we read about this morning in the call to worship that just says, I am not weak, I am not strong, but because of God's power, fruit is going to come from my life. And that fruit, that fruit looks like love, that, that fruit looks like peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. It looks like those kinds of things. And when I look at my life, the question is, how much of that fruit is present? How much do I just quickly like move to anger, move to frustration? You know, anyone who's listened to me enough knows that like at the end of the day when I'm tired and I'm weak and the cats get hungry, my anger comes out. And then that comes over to Benjamin because Benjamin wakes up, say at 11 o'clock at night and he's supposed to be in bed. Now I'm not as patient with Benjamin. I'm not as kind and I need to be able to be in this place of abiding. The more that I realize that I abide with Christ, the more the cats don't bother me. The more Benjamin waking up, I'm able to be able to respond with love and grace and gentleness. There is this correlation between what soil I am and how I live my life, how I'm able to hear from God and respond. And so the thing that I've noticed kind of in my short time in this life, you know, I'm only 28, the thing that I've kind of noticed or realized, though, is that soil, the... (laughs) The way that soil works is is it's kind of in direct relationship to the environment that it's around. And so if if you change the environment around the soil, over time the soil begins to change. And what I've also noticed in this life is that I've gone through different seasons in my life where I've lived in different types of soil. I've experienced the pain of the path. There have been many times where I lived in the environment of my own pride, where I was like, I got it. Boom. God's in a box. This is, this is it. This is true. I don't, I don't need to know anything more. I've got it. And Jesus breaks that box. Because that's what happens, right? When we're in this hard, rocky soil, what has to happen? That soil needs to be broken. And so that's what happened. There's been seasons in my life where my environment has been my own foolishness and my own pride. There's been many a time in my own life where I wanted to be that tree that looked really cool in the forest, where somebody could walk around and be like, how did he do that? How did he defy Physics, how did he find enough nutrients in that rock? Like, I've wanted to be spectacular. I've wanted to be in that place. And in that place, God has broken me and he's revealed to me my own foolishness and how that is not fruitful and how true life isn't found there. But I had to be broken of that. There have been seasons in my life, especially most recently, where I found myself just shrouded in fear and worry, concern, where I found myself just kind of in this thicket of thorns. And I was like, I'm a plant. I'm doing good. And I'm, I'm trying to produce fruit with all my effort, but like there's just kind of the ceiling. There's just kind of this wall. Like I just, I can't not, not perform. I can't not do what I want to do. Like I'm just in this place where I'm just hitting this wall. And so what I did was is that I got together in a community with some people, even just this last week, and we, I began to just confess some things. I began to confess fear. I began to confess fear from a childhood. I began to confess um, pride that came from my childhood. I began to confess fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, all things stemming from my childhood, things that I never dealt with. And as I confessed these things and as we prayed these things, I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of clearing those thistles away. And I'd say that today I'm still this, this like little plant, but like, the ground around me has been weeded. 
And I'm just like, and I'm excited for what God's going to do next to the soil around me. But I couldn't weed myself. I couldn't do that on my own. There wasn't enough prayer that I could do on my own to be like, yep, I'm going to pull those thistles around me. I had to go into community and I had to be vulnerable. And I had to just share some really terrible things about my own being, about my own self, and to just get that free. And the Holy Spirit just frees that up. And I'll just say that today I'm walking in a level of victory. I'm walking in a level of joy. I'm walking in a level of peace that I've not experienced in years. In years. So that happened Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday during the day. I'm just walking around and I'm like, I'm able to feel peace for like the first time in years. I'm able to feel joy. Like I just start randomly crying at the joy that I experience. It's because God moved. It's because God called me. He's like, you need help because the thicket around you is suffocating you. I was like, yes, I do. I do need help. So the question this morning is, where are you at? What soil are you in? What is God calling you to go do? How, How does he want to break the hard soil that you find yourselves in? And maybe, you're find, maybe you find yourself in the good soil. Maybe you're there. And the question is, what is the fruit that God is producing inside of you, and who does he want you to share it with? Who does he want you to share the fruit of this love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control? Who does he want you to go and bless and multiply? Because the, the fruit that, that is in good soil, guess what it does? It multiplies. Not just one. It doesn't just replace itself. Jesus says 30, 60, 100 times. The good news about the seed and about the soil and about this place that we're in is that it's not that we're in this thing like trees where we have to like strive for hundreds of years to just maybe get one fruit to reproduce itself. We're in this place where God's like, I've got the seed. I've got the kingdom. I'm planting the kingdom. Let's go. Let's do this. And let's have it explode in our city in our homes, and around the world. This is what it looks like to be disciples that make disciples. And so this morning, we are the soil. And the reality is, is that however he is calling you this morning to break you, like, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. It's going to be getting vulnerable. It's going to be getting in community with people. It's going to be probably crying some stuff out, some stuff that maybe have been hitting there, layered there for years. But just know that Jesus wants to transplant you. He wants to till your soil. He wants to move you into this place where fruit can grow and where life can be lived abundantly. And so there's this invitation, this invitation from Jesus to come and follow him. And there's this challenge that is also to just come and abide and allow yourself to be broken in front of him. And the question is, is how are you going to respond this morning as God is planting his kingdom and we are the soil. All right? So I'm going to pray for us. I just pray that in this next kind of series of songs that we would just rest and that we would listen, that we would hear from God, that we would celebrate, and that communion is going to be on kind of the left table here and the right table over here. And uh, whenever you feel moved in the next three songs, just come up and, and take the bread and remember his body broken for you and dip it into the juice and remember his blood poured out for you so that we could live in freedom so that we could live in this good, rich, bacteria, earth, nutrient-rich soil, right? That, like, gives life. 
We were never intended to be in the rocky places. We were never intended to live in the path. We were never intended to live among the thistles. We were intended to live life with him. And that's the invitation to us this morning. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are good. And we thank you that you are pursuing us. And God, that you are seeking to change our soil. So God, I pray freedom for all of us who are paths this morning. That you would break us. And that you would take root in our soul. God, I pray for all of us who are rocky soil that we would be humbled and that you would take deep root in our soul and that you would strengthen our trunks and that we would be able to produce good fruit in a difficult environment. God, for those of us who have been planted among the thorns, among the cares and concerns and fears and worries of this world, God, I pray for peace in your name. And I pray that you would weed the thistles and the thorns around us, and that you would leave us naked and exposed so that we could receive your love, so that we could receive your grace, and that we could receive your protection and your flourishing in our lives. God, do these things for us and produce fruit within us so that we may grow 30, 60, 100 fold. For your kingdom and for your glory alone. In your name we pray. Amen.